0: Welcome to Friends in Prison. I'm Claire Aronson, and I have 29 friends in prison. Hello and welcome. I do still have 29 friends, but they are not... All still in prison. Four of my pen pals have been released, and now Juan is in limbo. His parole is approved, and he should be released in December if he can get everything um, lined up. You know, he's got to get all of his T's crossed and I's dotted. So how can I keep up with 29 friends? You know, I get approximately one letter a day, and sometimes I reply to that letter right then, but sometimes I sit down on Sunday night and reply to three or four letters at once. I think it would be great if you also wrote to as many people as possible in prison. But writing to one person, that would also be awesome. And how special would that be, right? Can we really make a difference in the lives of people in prison? There are 2 million people incarcerated in the U.S., and you can write to people in other countries too. There are 9.8 million people in prisons across the world is it overwhelming? Have you heard the tale of the starfish? Like, I'm, I'm going to read this to you real quick. It all started when a young girl was walking along a beach upon which thousands of starfish had been washed up during a terrible storm. When she came to each starfish, she would pick it up and throw it back into the ocean. People watched her with amusement. She'd been doing this for some time when a man approached her and said, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. The girl seemed crushed. I mean, suddenly deflated. But after a few moments, she bent down, picked up another starfish and hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. She looked up at the man and she replied, well, I made a difference for that one. I remember this story stopping right there. It's enough. That she helped that one starfish, but there is more to the story. The old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done and said. Inspired, he joined the little girl in throwing starfish back into the sea. Soon others joined and all the starfish were saved. This is adapted from The Star Thrower by Lauren C. Isley. What I learned in the last four years while I've been writing to people in prison um, is that it does, it does make a difference. So I would encourage you, whether you save one starfish or you get as many people as you can to start writing to people in prison, that it is worthwhile. I want to talk to you about some other things that I have learned. You know, What do I wish I had known when I first started writing to people? Firstly, be upfront with your pen pal. I've always started by telling people that I'm not looking for love. I'm happily married, but uh, more than that, if someone uses... Bad language or asks an offensive question, I used to just ignore it. Now I'm direct. I tell them I don't like that. My pen pals, they can't see a reaction on my face, they can't hear it in the tone of my voice. I have to respond if I have an important reaction. It doesn't mean that no one will ever use a bad word, um, but it's usually accompanied by an apology because my pen pals have gotten to know me. And actually, you know what? The language is pretty clean because I'm upfront with people. Um, I wish I had been more strict about money. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, I spend, and you don't have to, you know, but I spend about $600 a year on this, on writing to pen pals in prison. I pay for a PO box, paper, envelopes, stamps. I print out photographs. I send them gifts for their birthday. Um, I, I like to send about $10 to their commissary account or I'll buy a book But I have 29 pen pals, you know, um, so that's $300 just to send each of them $10. I have friends who have asked me for $50, and they tell me they have no one else. Okay, Mm, I sent one pen pal money, and then I didn't hear from him again. He had been depressed, I know that. So it's possible I wouldn't have heard from him whether or not I sent the money. Um, Or it's possible that he feels bad about taking money and he doesn't know how to respond. So I've written to him twice. Those letters have not been returned. So I know that they were delivered to him. Um, I recently gave another friend some money. I don't want to call him out publicly, so I'll just refer to him as Harvey. Harvey asked me for $40 and I sent it to him. And then he started asking me for more favors, books this time, and printing some photos from his social media. Uh, It's possible that he thought I wasn't going to send him the money when he asked for the books and the photos. We use snail mail, and letters sometimes pass each other. You know, he'll write again before he receives a response from me. In any case, uh, he asked for the money, and then he asked for a few books, a novel and some books about exercises that he could do without equipment. And I just feel like uh, I want to be fair. If I'm going to send you this gift, I would want to send all of my pen pals an equivalent gift. So I know I've talked to you before about my friend Daniel, and he has told me of his financial woes but never asked for money. I would like to send a gift to Daniel so that he has money for a ribbon, for his typewriter, for stamps and stationery. But looking back, I wonder if I should have told my pen pals from the beginning that I wouldn't send financial gifts. It's hard because sometimes someone just wants a planner, a book, a crochet pattern, and it's easy for me to order these types of things and it would mean so much to them. So uh, you can go to a prison website, you can read the specific regulations for that specific prison. You cannot send care packages directly to someone in prison, but you can order soft-covered books from approved vendors like Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You know, some people, they need money for legal defense, some need hygiene products, some are back in the hole, and they need a book to help pass time. I'm talking about Harvey. He has been in the hole before. I have sent books to him before, but when you are sent to solitary, you can't bring your personal belongings with you, but you can receive new items in the mail. So I feel like if I had said I don't send gifts to pen pals, then I wouldn't be in this awkward situation now. I don't know. It's not as bad as I'm bemoaning. I have told my friends no before, and no one's ever taken offense. I can tell Harvey no. And I'm sure we will continue to correspond. I just also feel bad. Like, this friend asked for help for $40 or $50. And is that a reason to send it to him and not to another friend who also doesn't have family support, who lives in Texas and can't earn any money while in prison? The only reason Harvey can't earn money right now is because he got into a fight and was sent to solitary. If he had stayed out of trouble, he would be in the general population right now and working and making his own money or reading the books that i sent him before <laughs> so on another topic i got a letter from my friend jody this week and i have this routine i get my response letter ready right away i have my address in the upper left or in the yeah the upper left and her address in the upper right i write hi jody before i even open the letter from her then I open her letter, and I respond to it as I read. That way I don't miss any questions or topics or anything like that. Um, well, I opened it up, and it's just one paragraph. It said, just wanted to let you know that I'm at Transfer Center in Oklahoma on my way back to Minnesota. I will write when I get new info. So, like many of my pen pals, I have never sent a gift to Jody. I don't even know when her birthday is. She's never asked me for money, but she took the time to drop me a line and let me know why I might not hear from her for a little while. Just sweet and considerate. And, you know, even as I'm saying this, I don't like the advice to not ever send a gift to a pen pal. I sent the book, The Four Agreements, to Juan, and he and I read it together, and we chatted about it. It was a great book club. Okay. So it's up to you. If you don't want the awkward situation of someone asking you for money, then say up front, I'm sorry, I can't share any financial gifts. And as a reminder from something we've talked about before, let them know this would never have occurred to me. Do not send me money. If I receive a money order from a pen pal, I'm going to mark it as Uh, recipient is deceased, and return the money order, and you guys are going to have to work it out from there. It just never would have occurred to me that someone in prison would send me money. But in case you missed the episodes in the past, uh, people have without provocation, sent me money. Then I get a letter that says, hey, would you order me this? Would you do this for me? Would you do that for me? Would you send this to someone else? No, I'm not going to move money around for you. And if you want me to order you something, just ask me. Don't send me the money first. Ask me if I can order something for you. So um, I don't want... Uh, The money to get confiscated, and I, from what I understand from Daniel, that's what happens in Texas. If you just return the money order, the prison can confiscate it. Look, I'm being upfront with you. Don't send me any money, and if you do, you've got to work that out with the uh, facility that you're in. Okay, so on another note, John Fetterman, the Democratic candidate for for Senate from Pennsylvania, he was recently asked what he would do. If he had a magic wand and he could change one thing in society, life without – this is his quote – life without parole in Pennsylvania, we could save billions in revenue long-term, thousands of lives, and not make anyone less safe, expunge as many permanent records for people who have been living their best lives and paying well beyond what they should have for something that happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. So… Uh, John Fetterman is getting some backlash because he didn't say things like cure childhood leukemia. I mean, he was offered a magic wand, but he's running for Senate. He wants to discuss what his priorities are. And since obviously um, prison and prison reform are one of my priorities, I want to tell you how I feel about this. You can write to people in prison and not have an opinion on prison reform, I promise. I wonder, though, if you would feel like I do and become more interested in it as you go along. I do have an opinion, and since I do, I'll go ahead and say it. I believe in life without the possibility of parole, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't believe in the death penalty. If your crime was so heinous that it merits the death penalty, that the death penalty or life without the possibility of parole was the clear consequence when you committed the crime and you were rightfully found guilty, I think victims and families deserve the peace of mind that comes with knowing that you will not get out of prison. I think that people who are serving a sentence of, say, 20 years to life can serve their, prin- their prison sentence in the general population. They could have jobs, they can take classes, interact with other prisoners, but those people who have been sentenced to life without the possibility of parole should live like current death row inmates live. I think there is a punitive element to that kind of incarceration, and I think it's safer for other inmates as only the most violent and dangerous criminals would be handed this sentence. So um, I wish John Fetterman good luck in um, kind of delving more into prison reform and the reasons why he thinks it's inhumane to have life without the possibility of parole and what can be done to expunge old uh, records and what can be done to help people when it comes to rehabilitation and those people who, as he has said, have been living their best lives and have paid well beyond what their sentences were. Um, so, someone else that I was um, came on under my radar this week. I know we've talked about prison jobs and whether or not it's humane or it's slavery to not pay prisoners for their work. And I was listening to an interview with Adam Johnson. This is the podium guy from January 6th. He was sentenced to 75 days here in Florida, and he described prison as a very busy place. People are working all day long in prison camp. Prisoners do all of the cooking, the lawn maintenance, the laundry. They keep you busy, he said in an interview with Tim Poole. So Tim asked him what job he had. And he said, oh, I wasn't going to work for the government. You cannot make me. And Tim said, oh, so they didn't make you. Now, I don't know if uh, Adam Johnson's case is special because he had a very short sentence. As I said, it was only 75 days. And he spent the first 17 days in isolation because he was unvaccinated from COVID. Um, It was only supposed to be five days. But every time a new inmate comes into the ward, the clock starts again. So they didn't make you work. Like, what does that mean? Could he have earned time off for good behavior? Was he sent to isolation for not working? Um, He cannot make money for writing a book. Uh, or making speeches about his misdemeanor crime for five years. That was um, part of his plea deal. But it sounds like he would like to pen a book after those five years are up. So maybe he wanted to take a stand while he was in prison camp. So it was worth it to him not to get the time off for good behavior or to be sent to solitary. But the person doing the interviewing did not go into that. They just kind of, oh, okay, they didn't make you. Do you know this guy, the the podium guy? He was photographed with Nancy Pelosi's lectern, and the photo went viral. Late night hosts said that he stole the lectern, and I seem to recall reports of things like the lectern and other things from the Capitol going up for sale on eBay, but um, this guy did not leave the Capitol with anything. He picked up the lectern, moved it to the rotunda, made a quick faux speech, and then moved it out of the way. Um, I live right here in Florida where he was serving his time. I only have one pen pal here, and actually, she was released yesterday. Um, this is another one of those rules for writing to a million pen pals with things I wish I had known when I started. I don't write to people in my home state. I write to people in Oregon, in Kansas, in um Alaska, California, Texas, if they get released, we can continue to be pen pals, but there's no expectation that I can take them into my home or drive them to job interviews. I know myself, and I sometimes have a hard time saying no, so I avoid putting myself into situations where I have to say no at all. I've been talking for a little while now, but um, I want to go ahead and tell you a little bit of a story about myself. Because I think that you should know yourself, whether you're just listening to a podcast about people writing to people in prison, or if you're actually going to do it. So years ago, I had a friend who asked me for too many favors. And there were times that I felt for her sake, for the sake of her child, or for the sake of her dog, I had to help her. So I got to the point where I told her, I, I don't carry my cell phone with me. Just know I don't have a cell phone. You can't always get a hold of me. I figured if I didn't have a cell phone, then she'd know she couldn't call me at the last minute and she'd have to plan ahead. Um, If she did that, I would be willing to help her. I just didn't want a last minute phone call or a late night phone call. But I also didn't want to lie to my friend. So I honestly gave up my cell phone. At first, I just stopped carrying it with me. It wasn't a conscious decision to get rid of my phone because of this one friend but I didn't feel like carrying it with me knowing that she or someone else might call. I wanted to give my attention to whatever I was doing at that time. Then, after not carrying my phone for a while, I thought, I don't need to keep paying for this. So I really didn't have a phone. After a while, I did get another phone. It is super convenient for me to be able to communicate from wherever I am, but I wanted my phone, which I pay for, to be a convenience for me, not a tether so that someone else can get a hold of me at any time. But it's not, it's not that bad. You know, it might be nice to have a pen pal nearby, someone that you could visit in person. It could be a really neat aspect to the relationship. That being said, maybe you remember, I don't share my phone number with my pen pals. I'm still contemplating it. And if I do, share it with someone, and then regret it, I could do what I did before. I could get rid of the phone, reset, and get a new number. People do that. I want to say that I'll tell you how it turns out. (laughs) But if I do that, if I'm up front with you, why not be up front with my pen pal, tell them, hey, you got to stop calling me. Then I won't have to go through the trouble of changing my number, right? And being without a phone for any period of time. Come to think of it, I could have been up front with that other friend, and maybe she would she wouldn't have asked me for so many favors. You know, how can someone like me, who apparently enjoys talking so much, have so much trouble talking? I don't know. It it is a mystery for the ages. So, thank you so much for listening. Juan and I are working on an upcoming episode we really want to share with you how he ended up in prison how and why his life has changed since then, and his plans for going home this December. Thanks for listening. Tell everyone about the podcast. And as always, find your own friends in prison.